everybody and welcome to another edition of the Africast. My name is Brendan Lotz and joining me as always is Robin Chetty. Howdy. And welcoming back Louis Monzon. What's up everybody? How are you guys doing this week? Doing okay. Yeah. <laughs> I mean we had no load shedding for like two days. Yeah, but we also had a national shutdown. Yeah. So I guess it balances the out. The two are not related, apparently. So <laughs> mm. they'll tell us. Yeah. Uh, speaking of electricity, uh, the Minister of Electricity, Kocsiento Ramachopa, uh, this week, or over the next two weeks, rather, is uh, conducting a number of inspections at the country's power plants. Uh, and while conducting an inspection at the Kusile power station, uh, the minister had some interesting words. He said, uh, the problems and challenges that we have here are technical problems. They have nothing to do with so-called corruption, uh, the minister was quoted as saying by SA News. And uh, we found that kind of ironic, given the, uh, the extent to which state capture and corruption within ESCOM has kind of kneecapped the organization. Um, and it, it was quite odd to see the minister talking about how there are technical problems, but failing to address why those technical problems exist. Um, uh, and they stand in stark contrast to a couple of other statements that have been made. Uh, just at the start of this month, ESCOM board chair Mpo Makwana uh, outlined how ESCOM is dealing with corruption and the fallout uh, of state capture and trying to, to fix uh, the, the issues that are there. Uh, the Zondo Commission reported last year, uh, less than a year ago, that ESCOM entered into irregular contracts worth 14.7 billion rand. Um, and uh, further to that, more than 500 billion is alleged to have been stolen uh, through the Gupta family and uh, and their their role in state capture. Um, so, for the Minister of Electricity to say that corruption has nothing to do with the the problems that we're facing and that it's all technical just seems a bit disingenuous to us. Um, and yeah, like we mentioned in our piece, is that what the country needs right now is clear, honest communication from government. Um, statements such as this from the ministers are disingenuous and assuming the South Africans aren't fully of the, aware of the issues that have plagued us all for years at this point. Um, so yeah, uh, I don't know. It just seems it just seems like there's not really much conversation happening in government around what the messaging should be. And to say that, oh, well, you know, it's it's not corruption that caused these issues. It's just technical problems without addressing why those technical problems exist. It's, it, it's, to me, it's like saying, well, I've lost my house because of a drug problem, but the problem is actually just that I have financial issues. Why do I have financial issues? Well, because I have a drug problem. The root of the issue is that there is corruption within ESCOM, long-standing, pervasive corruption within ESCOM. And uh, if the Minister of Electricity isn't going to acknowledge that, that is very, very concerning. Yeah, that whole kind of exercise of him visiting power stations just seems like a... It's like set dressing. It, 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 yeah, it's all for optics, because yeah. um, to say that corruption has nothing to do with it is... I don't know. It, it, it's willfully ignorant, in my opinion. Yeah. So yeah. It just fails to address like what the actual issues are, and yeah, it's also it's, it makes it sound like a fix is just around the corner, which yeah. we know is not the case. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. So, sometimes I mean, I've I mean, how long have we been covering load shedding in ESCOM and like um, they they say it's the, the the earliest fix could be in five years, you know? Or, yeah. Or, or or it could not ever be fixed. A lot of people have said that too, and to. To kind of just say, oh no, the problem is easy. We just need to fix the infrastructure. 
Well, I mean, just, you know, to say the that reason that we need to fix the infrastructure is because it wasn't maintained because corruption. Ah, yeah. Anyway, um, Minister of Electricity will continue conducting um, his visits. He's currently at Kuburg uh, Nuclear Power Station, which I think is an odd thing to be at because it's under maintenance. So, yeah. what's he hoping to like to have a look into? at the technical problems? Oh, okay, all right. Come on, yeah. guys. Going to the the pebble bed. That's pretty safe, I'm sure. Um, so yeah, uh, hopefully government can uh, kind of unify its messaging over the next week around load shedding and that we have a clearer idea of what's happening. Uh, moving on, though, in the U.S., TikTok could get banned, Robin. Yes, TikTok bad, according to the U.S. government. Um, it has had its eyes set on TikTok for quite a long time. Obviously, this isn't just a Biden administration issue. Uh, during the Trump administration as well, they were looking to kind of get TikTok to have its Chinese interests divested from the company. Mm -hmm. As we know, that uh, TikTok is owned by a parent company called ByteDance, which has allegedly got ties to the Chinese government. There are also concerns that have been raised as regards uh, how TikTok uh, captures data, where it stores it, and kind of what kind of access to information it has on US citizens in particular. Um, mm. Some employees of the company that have since left made allegations saying that uh, they have access to the information of US citizens, and if they wish to, they can act upon it, which is obviously very concerning to hear. That said, these are all allegations and there's been no evidence to date. Uh, we kind of bring this all up because the TikTok CEO, uh, Sho Chu, he went to uh, appear in front of the US Congress and specifically the House Committee of Energy and Commerce. Um, he was kind of grilled for almost six hours. Um, and unfortunately, as we have seen in previous occasions where CEOs of big tech firms uh, have gone before Congress to answer questions, the questions aren't really very useful at all. And in, in a lot of cases, the, the senators or committee members have already reached their own conclusion. They don't really have any uh, inclination to actually listen to responses. They kind of yeah. already have their minds made up. And... Um, that was the same case here with, uh, with Chu. Um, it, I thought it was rather telling that the, chimeti, uh, the committee chair, Kathy McMorris-Rogers, uh, during her opening statements around this, uh, this session that was held, um, she explicitly said that your platform should be banned in reference wow. to TikTok. Um, she also mentioned that I expect that you'll say anything to avoid this outcome when she was uh, directly speaking to Chu. So she it, it innocent seems, until proven guilty for who? Yeah. No. So it seems like the, the the die in a lot of minds of members That's of this committee cast. has been cast. Um, and you know, to be fair, um, the concerns are legitimate. But also, we need evidence. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of the Chinese companies that have been uh, kind of placed on entity lists or have be, had uh, business restricted in terms of the operations in the US, um, there isn't a lot of evidence to yeah. kind of go on. And I, th I, mean, I think that's a big issue, yeah. So for me, it's like what, when they say there's ties to the Chinese government, what does that mean? Because if I pay my taxes every month, I have ties to the South African government because I'm paying them every mm -hmm. month. If I receive emails from a government entity, I have ties to that, that, that entity. And with a company as big as ByteDance, to assume that government is not like looking at them, making sure that they're above board. And I mean, I'm not talking about like nefarious stuff. I'm talking just ordinary day-to-day -day operations. I mean, it's just silly, especially in a country like the US, 
where companies like Google and Meta are headquartered, like, uh, I don't know. It, it's just odd to me that there's this tax of, oh, well, you have ties to the, to the Chinese government because you're a Chinese company. So, I mean, that's kind of what uh, Chu was intimating in his kind of responses. Um, he said that, uh, and I'm quoting here, I'm not saying that we're doing it right now. Uh, apologies, I'm pulling on the wrong quote here. <laughs> um, I think a lot of risks that are pointed out are hypothetical and theoretical risks. I have not seen any evidence. I am eagerly awaiting discussions where we can talk about evidence and then we can address the concerns that are being raised. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of his response at the moment. Um, he also cited the fact that uh, US-based social media platforms and tech companies haven't had the best track record. Mm -hmm. uh, he I'm cited, glad. cited uh, Facebook in particular, as we know, the Cambridge Analytica scandal. Uh, there's also the issues around Myanmar and kind of yep. Facebook's role in the genocide that happened there. So. Again, it, it is very much the pot calling the kettle black. I mean, when we were kind of listening to some of the opening remarks and that's in from the committee chair, mm. she was talking about um, how data is collected, how things are tracked. And if we had, had no uh, TikTok for context, we would have thought that she was talking about Google or Facebook. Yeah. So a lot of the activities that they are wanting to probe from on, from TikTok is something that Google, Facebook, and other big US-based tech companies are guilty of as well. Mm -hmm. And again, yeah, I want to be kind of be explicit that we're not taking sides. No. We're simply saying that if the US is going to probe a, a Chinese entity, mm. or a Chinese company, or a, a company that has alleged ties to the Chinese government, mm -hmm. then it needs to probe its US-based ones as well, because Absolutely. for regarding the the, uh, the Myanmar kind of genocide that we mentioned earlier. Facebook were given a hefty fine, mm -hmm. and that was it. There was never once a threat of, a of banning it. So, I mean, but beyond that, there's also been evidence to show that those platforms have been used for election manipulation, mm -hmm. yeah. and they've never been banned. I mean, it's just it's a confusing direction to take. So there's a few things here for me. Um, so the first thing is if you can just step, take a step back. Something Robin that Robin said kind of. The lights had had lights flicking in my mind. So you're telling me they they brought this guy here to the Congress, and for six hours they asked him questions, and they didn't have a shred of evidence. No, no tangible evidence. It's all allegation or yeah. hearsay so they spent or six hours with guesswork, saying to him, "You're doing this." And he's like, well, how can you tell? Well, I mean, we chuckled. I mean, some of the questions were a bit ridiculous. Um, some one of the senators were asking about. Uh, Wi-Fi connections yeah, and how TikTok essentially connects using Wi-Fi in your, your Wi-Fi network. I mean, that's every online application right. yeah. does that. When you, order, or when you order Uber Eats, it's accessing your Wi-Fi network. It doesn't mean that it's accessing your... But the way the question was phrased is what's funny because it's like, is it accessing my home Wi-Fi network? Well, yes, for the connection, yeah. but it's not letting me know what other devices are on your network. Yeah. I mean, it could... But that's not what you asked. You asked, and that's the other problem, right? Is that the way that these folks ask questions, it just leaves room for them to say anything. Mm -hmm. I mean, we've seen this before with Zuckerberg and with uh, Google CEO and Microsoft CEO. Like all of them, the way that these folks ask questions, the senators, the lawmakers, because they're not informed, and I hate to say it, but it's because they're older. <laughs> they're older people who don't understand the scope of this technology and what they are asking yeah. which is a problem because it gives bad actors a way to sneak things through and 
like Robin says, we're not taking we're not taking sides here, and I'm not saying that TikTok is a bad actor, but if it was, these questions would be terrible to be asking. And just jumping off uh, of that, Brendan, um, like you said, they, they have they don't they don't they don't know what they're talking about, um, and I think it comes from a remote an emotional response mm. to they have an objective in mind. You know, they have the objective that TikTok is doing this. TikTok is stealing information or the and on the other the other part of that is it's spreading propaganda to the youth of America, mm. you know. This is so these are very emotional, you know, satanic panic kind of yeah. things, you know. China is poisoning the minds of our kids and they're using TikTok and, but they don't have evidence, you know. I, I would have imagined that you know the government of the US would have some something to back up some intelligence, yeah, you know. And um, what they brought to the table was we think, you know. Yeah, so it just looks more increasingly that a ban could be happening. Um, as you mentioned, the committee kind of made up their mind already around TikTok. Uh, Chu mentioned the fact that they have Project Texas, which is going to be a data localization project mm -hmm. that they're going to be uh, rolling out soon via Oracle. Um, and that will then essentially allow uh, employees of TikTok that are based in the US to only access U.S. user information and data. So no one residing in China will be, have access to that information. You know what? So I think TikTok's user base in the U.S. is like 1.5 billion people. Sorry, 1.5 million. I stand to be corrected. It's a small portion. Hang on, let me check. Let me, let me Google this quickly. Compared to its worldwide user yeah. base. So, uh, TikTok is available in 150 countries and has 100, has 1 billion users uh, and has been downloaded over 210 million times in the US alone. So, it's a, what's that, a fifth of their users, of their downloads is in the US. Mm. Just shut it down. Just a fifth of a fifth of my my users in a country, and I just shut it down. Well, Why? I, I, Why I, I'm just worried this that, that this sets a precedent because one, I think that other countries will follow suit. The UK is is looking at it, and New Zealand is looking at it as well. Um, obviously, those markets aren't as large as they are in the US, but it it could spark a trend across the world, and it also creates a present for me because now companies like Huawei essentially have no hope of ever getting off that internet. Yeah. Other Chinese-based organizations have no hope. Hick vision. And again, if evidence is brought forward, I'll hold my hand up and say, yeah, fair enough. Yeah. But until evidence comes forward, we, what are we dealing with here? We're, offering off, we're, we're operating off of China bad. Yeah. yeah, it's like a political Based on thing. US. And like one of the things that I saw during this hearing yesterday, we're getting very sidetracked. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, but one of the things I saw during the hearings yesterday was a senator saying that, oh, well, this is China challenging the US's uh, dominance as a world power. And to me, I was just like, who cares? Do you, is this what this is about? It comes down to the fact that the US is no longer seen as a world power, which they are. Um, and the fact that China is trying to wrestle in on that. Maybe, maybe I'm biased because I'm in South Africa and I'm part of the BRICS Association or amalgamation, organized, whatever you want to call it. Um, but I just feel like it's like, oh, this is all just an ego thing. It's all just, it's not even political. It's just ego. Well, I mean, that senator clearly hasn't been following world news. China is a superpower. Yeah. China is likely on par with US when it comes to their mm -hmm. superpower status. And 
We're talking about a short video format app. If you want to talk about yeah, how, deep, yeah. how deeply, yeah. how many antitrust lawsuits does Google and Facebook face every year? Millions. And we, Hundreds. We talk about influence and power. I mean, again, we, we are getting very sidetracked now, but yeah. it's, it, it is part of calling Kittle Black, and it's, uh, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, uh, let, let's move on. Uh, Louis, you, uh, speaking of the US, yeah. funnily enough, Donald Trump was meant to be arrested this week, yeah, apparently. And, and uh, on, on Tuesday, uh, if you were on social media, you may have you know, seen some pictures of the arrest of Donald Trump, or the alleged, supposed arrest. You know, he, one, of the, uh, one of the images that came up was a very convincing photo of uh, you know, Trump being escorted by three police officers into a, a motor vehicle. Uh, it turns out this image is not real. It, uh, even though it looks like it's a real thing, it's not. It's been generated by an AI application. And uh, it seems like recently um, more and more people are using AI platforms like Midjourney and Stable Diffusion to uh, make what seem to be real photos of real people in, in very complex situations and they're using them to kind of trick other people. Um, we, we all heard about the, uh, no, that, that was very highly publicized um, talks between President Vladimir Putin and China's president, back to China, yeah. <laughs> Xi Jinping, and they were having, a, you know, they met in Moscow, and um, after this meeting, there was an image uh, that seemed to show Vladimir Putin kneeling before Xi, um, and it was retweeted and it was spread and actual actual real journalists were saying that this is you know uh, an effort by Putin to try to curry favor with China um, and the image isn't real it's a, it's another AI based image it's like so you know we, we come to this point where you know people are able to spread very convincing fake news using these AI applications. And you know we have no way to kind of defend ourselves against this, other than looking at the images and studying them and saying actually this is this is a fake, right? Mm -hmm. um, and obviously, if you if if you're not someone who who is online all the time, if you don't know about these things, if you you know, um, because it's not even like Photoshop. This, these are like you know digital images that look like they're real, right? Um, you, they're very easily convincing people, and uh, you know they can be dangerous in that kind of way. Um, and what's concerning to me is that, like the the Trump photos, especially that were yeah. being shared, um, they were just high enough quality to be convincing to convincing enough to look real, um, and just low enough quality to look like they'd been shared multiple times yeah. on the internet. So right? the perfect like the, it was the that sweet perfect spot. balance where you just couldn't make out the text, but it looked legitimate enough for yeah. it to be real text. Um, but if you started to look at like some of the badges on the police officers' yeah. hats, you'd see that they were with different shapes. Um, certain things like some of the fingers on hands weren't right like the too the, big yeah like Trump's hands way too big um, like some of the officers only having three fingers like there's just there's, there's small small signs but like you say unless you're somebody who's extremely online yeah. and you know what to look for yeah. it's very easy to get convinced by stuff like, like I, that I know people in my personal life that yeah. would see these pictures and say do you see Trump got arrested yeah, and they show me the pictures, and I'd be like, "This is made by an AI," and they'd be like, "What? You know?" No, it can't be. Well, I mean, that's the problem with social media, right? It's about reacting as quickly as possible. Yeah. I think yeah. 
like obviously if you take a cursory glance at this at these images it's easy to be fooled you have to actually really inspect what's yeah. going on and that doesn't happen on social media yeah and especially on social media where images are also already compressed mm-hmm. and if an image is small you're not going to be able to scroll in like i think there's the image of uh putin and jiping yeah where like you zoom in and you can see that the the toes of the the shoe yeah are just odd yeah like they look like toes yeah and in the background there's like uh the wall kind of splits into yeah. you know but it's only stuff that you're going to notice after looking at it if for a while time, and like yeah. you say Robin it's all about instant mm-hmm. reaction you see you no, the thing is you see the image oh Trump gets retweet you know yeah then a hundred other people retweet exactly. and by, before you know it it's like around the world yeah. and then you have to fight to show that exactly. it's not real so mainstream publications are getting a little bit uh, uh, you know this has kind of been uh, AI image generating and the problems it has with copywriting and art has been kind of uh, a kind of relegated to online digital artists mm. communities and the people who follow them and stuff but what this has done now is that more mainstream publications are kind of seeing oh this is a problem you know yeah. this is a problem fake news is only going to get worse because of these things like this so there was something uh, else just as an aside this week that uh, I saw being touted around called glaze I don't know if you guys heard about this mm-hmm. so it's a uh, it's a way of embedding code into an image a digital image Hmm. and when it gets fed into uh, one of these generative AI networks um, it gives them something else so essentially you can take your modern art painting and glaze it to make it look like something from Van Gogh and when an AI generative network searches this thing or tries to scan it it gets uh, a a false a false result Hmm. essentially so it makes it look like it would interpreted as a Van Gogh painting rather than a modern art painting, let's say. Okay. So I wonder if that sort of stuff gets put into these these uh, systems, mm-hmm. whether a glaze would be able to kind of help identify the tip if it was if it was generated or not. Or real, yeah. Yeah. But I mean, that's we're thinking a little bit further down the road. Yeah, I think in in the future we're gonna have to start doing things like this to kind of protect ourselves, especially like. Um, art definitely artists will have to start I mean that could work for digital artists to protect their work um, but for public figures like Donald Trump who have enormous amounts of images of them on the internet just readily available for free for anyone that'll be a bit more difficult you know alright so that's going to wrap up the news for this week uh, for the body of this week's Africast we wanted to do something a bit different we talk a lot about streaming here and we talk a bit about what we're looking forward to um, but this week I wanted to chat about sports. Now, I'm not a sports fan. Sports. Sports. Uh, I'm not a sports fan, but I recognize that South Africa is a sports-mad country. Mm -hmm. And uh, these days, if you want to watch sport, most of the time you need to have a DSTV subscription or head down to the pub with your mates. Um, But we wanted to see if there were ways to access uh, some of the biggest sports or some of the more popular sports in South Africa online. Um, So we've compiled a couple of uh, streaming services that you can access, um, both international and local, where you can get your sporting fix. Um, And I think we'll start with you, Robin, uh, as regard. Let's start with football. Sure. Um, Soccer, not American gridiron, um, (laughs) but football. Uh, What do you have for us in terms of streaming sports? So uh, football, I guess, given its size and scope and popularity, is one of the perhaps most licensed 
uh, of all the sports, yeah, which right. makes getting around uh, streaming uh, a bit difficult, uh, depending on what part of the world you're in. Um, so for us, the best and perhaps most legal way to do it is either via DSTV now. If you have a DSTV premium subscription, it is relatively easy kind of access to DSTV UK via a, a mobile or internet connected device. Or um, the other option we found that to be quite useful is uh, Showmax Pro. Mm. That is the more expensive uh, kind of live content version of Showmax. And it is chock-a-block essentially with uh, sporting content. Uh, football in particular, it has many of the, I guess, the most popular football leagues in the world, uh, i.e. the Premier League in England, uh, La Liga in Spain, and also has access to Champions League, uh, Europa League, uh, kind of all the bigger competitions. Um, the most popular stuff. Mm-hmm. stuff uh, in, I guess, recent months, uh, the World Cup, for example, was, stream, was able, available to stream via Showmax Pro. And I guess if you kind of take the, the DSTV bouquet in terms of its options, it's essentially mirrored on, on Showmax Pro offering. And I think it is perhaps probably the best option you can go through. There are um, other streaming options outside of South Africa. Mm-hmm. That said, if you are wanting to kind of access those, you're going to have to go the VPN route. Yeah. Um, it is a tricky route to go through because, again, when you're kind of signing up, you have to have your VPN active. We kind of had this issue with HBO Max. Yeah, uh, you right. can get access to it, but it is uh, uh, you have to be a Cirque du Soleil level kind of person to get through all those hoops. And sometimes even they'll block you from using a South African credit card. Mm-hmm. You'll need to use yeah. a credit card that re- that's registered in the country that you claim to be from. So, um, well, every, everything today that we're going to be talking about is stuff that you can legally access in South Africa. Um, and if you want to use a VPN to access some services, that's on you. But just know that it's not always as easy as just using a VPN. Sometimes you need to have a credit card that is linked to yeah. that com- or registered in that, com- that country. And if you try and use a virtual card, it doesn't always work. Speaking as somebody who tried to sign up for Disney Plus before it was available in South Africa. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, this kind of list is, is really about what's the lowest barrier to entry. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, so speaking of that, we have to talk about cost. Um, Showmax Pro does not come cheap. Um, there is Showmax Pro Mobile and Showmax Pro itself. So the mobile version is uh, a bit less expensive. It costs 225 Rand per month. At the time of recording, there is a promo going on for 199 Rand per month that ends at the end of March. Yeah. Um, then the actual Showmax Pro, that's for watching on laptops uh, and TVs as well as smartphones and tablets. That one is going to cost you 349 Rand per month. As mentioned, there's a promo on the go that will cost you 299 Rand per month. And if you want to take it up, that's until the end of March. Uh, we're not sponsored by Showmax or Showmax Pro. Yeah. That said, we wouldn't mind a sponsorship. Uh, <laughs> so get in contact with us. Um, but yeah, back to the actual offering itself. Uh, you can have up to five devices registered on Showmax Pro, which is quite handy. Uh, we know that uh, streaming on multiple devices is a bit of an issue at the moment. We're looking at you, Netflix. Um, also, DSTV now is, is suffering from that problem at the moment. You can't yeah. stream... Uh, two two streams at once yeah, at the moment, yeah. um, which is a bit of a bit of a hassle. Um, also worth noting here is that Showmax Pro does not offer a free trial, unlike Showmax. So yeah. there is no fourteen day free trial. 
The reason for that, unfortunately, is licensing, which is probably the reason why a lot of people are find, trying to find out right now what stream they can go for. So yeah. when it comes to football, Showmax Pro, unfortunately, uh, given uh, it is really expensive at 349 Rand per month, but it is your best option right yeah. now. It's so cheaper than DSTV at the end of the day, right? Yeah. And you also get access to the Showmax catalog of content. Yeah, we were actually looking at um, the DSTV streamer or its yeah. packages. Um, they, they guess the premium package costs 699 Rand per month. They have a few other com uh, packages as well, like Compact, Compact Plus, mm. and they kind of package the different channels together. There is no sports package, uh. I think, for the very reason mm. that Showmax Pro exists. Uh, but if it was, I'm sure it would probably be one of the more popular options from a DSTV streamer. But anyway, yeah, Showmax Pro, best option right now if you yeah. want football. I think that's going to be also for many other sports, mm. uh, but we'll get to that. Uh, moving on to tennis very quickly. So... Uh, Tennis TV is a streaming service that's operated by the ATP, um, and it costs a gargantuan $14.99 per month. Damn. Uh, that gives you access to live matches and replays, uh, lets you hide scores and timelines. You also have access to a huge replay archive that dates back to the 90s. Um, but you don't get access to Grand Slams, the WTA Tour, or the Lava Cup. Um, uh, and I mean, it is, it's a nice streaming platform. Uh, from what I've seen, it's one of the best ones out there. Uh, let you watch TV or let you watch in HD. Uh, you can also access the, the service for free, which will allow you to see scores, watch daily highlights, um, and visit order of play. Um, there's not much here for free users, but there is a free option if you want to access it. Um, it will cost you $120 annually, which is a lot of money, especially since you can't get any of the Grand Slams, which I think is what a lot of people want to watch when it comes yeah, to the, tennis. Yeah, the big deal of tennis. Yeah, that's right? like a non-starter yeah. for me. Yeah, I, was... I agree. Um, which is, a, it's, a bit, it's a bit lame, if we're completely honest. Um, but, I mean, if you're a tennis fan and you want to watch a lot of tennis, then yeah. tennis TV really is the best option for you, I think. Um, yeah, that, 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 that's it. Uh, oh, the, what is nice is that the setup is really smooth. Uh, they ask you a quiz when you sign up, when you're setting up your account, like mm. who are your favorite tennis players. Okay. And then obviously it all generates recommendations. a timeline uh, for you based on that. Um, the players really, really good. Let you select like HD, and that was even on free. Let us watch uh, some highlights uh, in HD. So yeah, if you're a tennis buff, tennis TV might be worth taking a look at it, especially for the free access. Louis, what have you got for us? So I have uh, uh, wrestling. Yeah. So uh, uh, wrestling, especially professional wrestling, that is especially WWE is very popular in South Africa. I think we are one of the biggest markets uh, for that for that company. Um, and uh, there's, uh, there's actually quite a few different ways that you can watch WWE. We're going to get to other uh, promotions after. Because um, there's lots of wrestling you can find in, on on the internet, and it's you know it's definitely legal, and all the options are there. But for WWE, uh, recently Showmax and the WWE signed an agreement that will have all of uh, WWE's um, weekly shows, documentaries, and um, and uh, monthly pay-per-views. So like the big shows, WrestleMania, and uh, you know Elimination Chamber, Hell in a Cell, etc. You can find that all on Showmax Pro. Um, uh, on demand, um, we said that Showmax Pro you can get it for 349 rand a month, um, and uh, all the details that Robin said um, in, are included there. You can find all that stuff there. But 
for for much less. If I mean, Showmax Pro obviously comes with all the sports that we mentioned yeah. before with, with soccer. Uh, but if you if you're just interested in the wrestling, you can just directly subscribe to the WWE Network. Um, it's it's WWE's streaming platform. It you know it's uh, I think it's if you're a wrestling fan. If you like like to watch a lot of wrestling, the WWE Network is kind of like the I don't know the the, the mecca. It's like you have to have it. It's it's only 180 rand a month, That's which is bad. which is much less than than Showmax Pro, so it's nine dollars ninety nine cents a month. Um, it has HD streaming, um, and and it has like the WWE's library of wrestling. From like when wrestling was in black and white, from like the early like nineteen what fifties, nineteen forties. Oh wow! Um, so you can really go back in time to watch whatever you want. Um, it has all the weekly shows. It has everything. So if you're a WWE fan and you want to stream wrestling, the WWE Network is probably your best bet. Um, you can also watch WWE on the DSTV Now app. Um, and then that gets us to uh, another promotion, a uh, new up-and-coming promotion, AEW, Dynamite, and Rampage. That's on DSTV right now on TNT. You can watch it at channel 137. Uh, if you want to stream it, you're going to have to stream it on the DSTV Now app. That's the only place that you can get it on. Um, other than you can go to fight.tv, which is a website where it basically, it, I mean, if you're a fan of combat sports, you should know Fight TV. It's a subscription uh, website where literally it's kind of aggregates a whole bunch of different companies from boxing, from um, mixed martial arts, kickboxing from all over the world. Oh, wow. Um, and you can get it on Fight TV and you can subscribe to, it's weird, it's very interesting. You kind of get different companies will post their content and you can subscribe to those companies specifically. Oh, okay. And you can still watch it on Fight TV. So you can have different kind of little subscriptions on the same kind of platform. So it's like an aggregator. It's an aggregator, yeah. Okay. Uh, You can also buy pay-per-views on Fight TV. Um, if awesome. that's what you're into, um, you can buy uh, like Ring of Honor and MLW. There's also like free stuff on there that you can just watch, like smaller independent uh, promotions. They have shows on there. Um, if you're interested in women's wrestling from Japan, you know, watch some 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 Japanese women beat the crap out of each other. <laughs> Check that out. Uh, and then the other place where you can get legal wrestling in uh, in South Africa is you can just subscribe to New Japan World if you're into Japanese wrestling. Um, the subscription is 138 rand for, per month. You can get all their shows, all their pay-per-views, uh, or you can just buy their pay-per-views for 400 rand. But I would cons- I would rather do the subscription. And that's probably the, the kind of the full rundown for professional wrestling in South Africa. Okay, Robin, what else you got? Yeah, so uh, rugby. We are the the world champions. I we think are. for legal reasons we can't mention the trophy's yeah. name. Um, yeah, else we get sued <laughs> by somebody. Yeah. Um, so obviously we know rugby's a big uh, sport in South Africa. Again, I'm going to have to lean heavily on Showmax Pro here. Yeah. Um, it has uh, the URC, which is the United Rugby Championship at the moment. Uh, essentially everything you have on Supersport, you'll be able to watch there. So that's Curry Cup. Uh, also, um, Super Rugby at the moment, Aratora, I think it's still called, mm. which is uh, Australia, New Zealand, and a few uh, South um, Pacific Island nations as well. Yeah. Some of the, like, I guess, club teams will be involved in that. Um, and then obviously all the Northern Hemisphere competitions, uh, specifically French Top 14, uh, Heineken Cup, stuff like that, you'll be able to watch via Showmax Pro. If you want to, I'm not necessarily interested in, in South African rugby, um, there is something called sansarugby.tv. You can access that. However, you'll need a VPN because if you access it from a South African um, 
uh, IP address, it will recognize that and it'll direct you towards Supersport. Oh, so, wow. So, so you can access it. Um, it'll give you kind of access to all uh, all Sansa, which is South Africa, New Zealand, and Australia, kind of rugby formats. Uh, but again, if you're coming from a South African IP address, it'll ask you to go to Supersport instead. So just be careful when you're trying to access that or just yeah. be mindful rather. Um, and then, yeah, those are really, I guess, the kind of only options uh, as far as rugby is concerned in South Africa. Again, I think a lot like uh, football, it is heavily um, uh, regulated when it comes to licensing and things like that. So if you are a rugby fan in South Africa, you probably are already watching Super Sport. But if you want to stream, Showmax Pro is probably the better option um, compared to what uh, you kind of have available from DSTV streamer. Okay, uh, moving on to motorsport very quickly. I'm going to just touch on the FIA's properties. That's namely F1 and WRC, which is the World Rally Championship. So for Formula One, there's the F1 TV subscription platform. Uh, and there, there are two options. There's F1 TV Pro and F1 TV Access. F1 TV Pro gives you access to everything, every documentary, every race, every qualifying, every practice session, as well as uh, some exclusive... Um, additional content such as the uh, the build-up to the race the discussion after the race uh, podcasts it, it's a really really great service it costs four dollars 99 per month um, and then f1 tv access gives you access to live timings um, you don't get to watch the race but you do get access to uh, um, the live timings as well as highlights after the race um, and that's $2.99 per month. I don't think that F1 TV access is worth that price. I think it's worth it to spend a little bit more um, and get F1 TV Pro. Um, and F1 TV Pro gives you a lot of cool stuff. So you can watch uh, um, cockpit cams or on-car onboard cameras for specific drivers. You can listen to specific uh, team uh, team radios uh, feeds. You can um, listen to do to different uh, commentary teams. So you can listen to the international team, uh, which includes Julian Palmer and David Coulthard. Uh, and then you also get access to the Sky stream, which has Crofty and uh, Martin Brundle. Um, so it's a, it's a really great service. It, it functions really, really well. At launch, it was a little bit iffy. Uh, the quality was really, really questionable. Um, and speeds were just as, could be abysmal at times. But over the past couple of years, it's gotten a lot better. Uh, the other the other platform, oh, as well, sorry, I do need to mention this. F1 TV Pro doesn't just give you access to F1. You get access to F2, F3, yeah, F2 and F3. Um, you don't get access to the uh, Formula E, which is a bit odd. But I think that that's because there's some uh, rights. Are there different governing rights. bodies there? I don't believe so. I think they are part of the FIA, but I think that there's a, there's differences with rights there. I'm not entirely sure. Um, but the other uh, FIA property is the World Rally Championship, which if you're a rally fan, um, there is a streaming service called WRC Plus, and that costs $10.99, oh, sorry, not dollars, 10 euro 99 per month. Um, that gives you access to all stages of every rally, every heat of every event, live and on demand. Uh, you have live, live maps, which gives real-time GPS tracking 
running of the cars. Uh, you get onboard action as well as special uh, magazine features, special features um, for what makes no, nearest makes no difference, 11 euro per month, mm. um, which is not bad. I mean, if you're a fan of rally and uh, you want to see all the rally sports and the rally events that take place over the year, um, yeah, I think that this might be worthwhile. Um, if you've never seen any rally, um, look up some stuff on YouTube. It's quite crazy. <laughs> I, I, I don't think people understand just how ridiculous of a sport this is. Um, so yeah, that's uh, motorsport. Uh, we'll jump to two wheelers in a little bit. Louis, you have anything else for us? Uh, not right now. Not right now. Okay. Uh, another popular sport in South Africa, cricket. Yes. Um, again, uh, apologies. Again, I'm not sponsored by Showmates, <laughs> but it is the best option as far as getting access to uh, content. Uh, again, everything you kind of see in Supersport, you'll be able to access via Showmax Pro. That includes, obviously, all the matches, test, test matches, ODIs, T20s, uh, that involve this uh, Pro Tier team. Um, also, you'll get access to the IPL. There's also the uh, Pakistan Premier League, which is also both, uh, two, both uh, T20 formats. Um, if, however, you don't want to go the Showmax Pro route, there is an option called willow.tv. Um, again, like the the kind of other options that I mentioned that weren't Showmax Pro related, uh, you'll, you'll need a VPN in order to access. But what you are able to do is kind of aggregate a lot of different uh, unions' content. So if you are a big fan of, it, say, for example, English cricket, you can get a lot of the county stuff cricket uh, okay. streamed to you as well. Um, if you'd like... Uh, Australian cricket, all of their kind of Big Bash series, their T20 stuff... Um, uh, all the incoming tours that the Australian cricket team has, you'll be able to access via that. So there are workarounds, but again, um, most of them will require VPN and will require you to kind of stay alert when it comes to logging in because they will pick up where that you're in South yeah. Africa and shouldn't be accessing it. Okay, so the final motorsport I want to just chat about is MotoGP, which I think is quite popular in South Africa. And this is also the most expensive one, I think, by far. Um, this uh, access is called MotoGP Video Pass. Access costs €29.99 per month. Damn. That does, however, give you access to everything. That's live on-demand races You'd for so. all of the different engine sizes. Um, there is a free trial, but the free trial is a bit, uh, bit iffy because if you take up the free trial, you basically have to pay for a full year of video pass and timing pass, which amounts to €148.99 per year which is a lot of money. Um, I don't know why you would want the timing pass if you have the video pass because the timing pass is just access to timings and it's basically the entry level uh, um, subscription fee. Um, but yeah, MotoGP video pass for €29.99. As I said, that gives you basically the same sort of stuff that um, F1 TV Pro gives you. That's the live races, um, the ability to switch between different cameras, um, and also obviously historical archived uh, races and documentaries, all that sort of stuff. Um, all of these, I think, are, are really, really nice if you have interest in specific sports. I think if you're watching more than one of these sports, mm. you're going to want to go for something like DSTV, unfortunately, or Showmax Pro. Because yeah. um, <clears throat> I can see a lot of these once you start adding them up. Like if I were to get F1 TV Pro and then WRC Plus and then uh, MotoGP, I would probably be spending as much as I would be paying on DSTV at this point. Yeah, I think... 
for all intents and purposes, uh, DSTV Now or Showmax Pro is essentially an aggregator. Yeah. So. Yeah. Absolutely. So, I mean, I think if you have, like, specific needs, like if you only watch wrestling yeah. and you don't want to buy DSTV because you don't what you don't watch cricket or rugby or whatever it may be and you just want to be able to access that wwe content or the aew content like services like that really do make sense like i myself i'm a i'm an f1 tv pro subscriber because i only really care about formula one um and i mean in south africa it's like 89 bucks a month and I get access to all the races, and I don't have to worry about it. Obviously, something I do want to just mention, though, is that when these, play, when these sports go through off-seasons, um, maybe subs, uh, suspend your subscription. <laughs> uh, don't keep it running, uh, especially when there's only, like, one race or whatever every month. Um, maybe just skip that race and, you know, and, like, uh, watch, watch the highlights or whatever. Save, save some cash. Yeah, save some cash, because these services are pretty, pretty expensive. But it seems that if you want um, if you want to access all the sports, definitely look at Showmax Pro. I can't believe that they haven't sponsored this. <laughs> I feel like we should have approached them for a sponsorship, <laughs> but that's our fault. That's our fault. Um, but, yeah, I think that there's – what's nice, though, is that we're seeing more of these uh, – the, the governing bodies for these sports moving towards streaming, recognizing that they can leverage their audiences directly rather than having to rely only on licensing, um, which I think is a cool move. I don't know how sustainable it is. Like, we're seeing uh, lots of talk about streaming content moving towards aggregators, um, given just how many streaming platforms mm -hmm. there are at the moment. Uh, I can eventually foresee, like, they're becoming problems where folks want to access certain things. Like the the Formula E and F1 thing is a perfect example because you can access Formula 2, Formula 3, Formula 1, but you can't access Formula E, which is just a weird oversight. Um, but yeah, hopefully uh, this is a sign that access to sport is becoming a little bit easier and you don't have to go through a main aggregator like Showmax. Um, yeah, I think that's going to wrap it up from us for this week. Uh, thank you so much for tuning in, and we hope that uh, we had some some useful information there for you if you're a sports fan. Uh, from myself, Brendan Lachirio from Louis Manzon. Bye, guys. And from Robin Nichetti. Take care, everyone. We'll see you next week. Goodbye. The number you have dialed is not in service at this time.